Welcome back to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. We are preparing our hearts, minds, bodies, and souls to consecrate to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. During this 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat, you can get your retreat materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are reading from the book, A Do-It-Yourself Retreat in Preparation for Marian Consecration, written by Father Michael Gately. We are on day 11 of our preparation. Yesterday, we learned about the intimate union between the Holy Spirit and Mary, the uncreated and created Immaculate Conceptions. Now, we may be thinking, that's nice, but what follows from it? Here's what follows. Mary does the will of God perfectly, and this is a big deal. Let's take a step back and put this into context by looking at the big picture of reality. Well, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, all of creation makes this one big circular movement from God and back to God, referred to by theologians as the great circle of being. He writes, issuing from the primary principle, creatures accomplish a sort of circuit gyratory movement such that all things, when they tend to their proper end, are returning to the principle whence they came forth. We were created by the Son and by the Holy Spirit, and it is by them that we are brought back to our end. Now, St. Maximilian Kolbe, being the good theologian that he was, describes this big picture structure of reality in a similar way. He begins by pointing to our own experience of the world. Everywhere in this world, we notice action, departure and return, going away and coming back, separation and reunion. The separation always looks forward to union, which is creative. All this is simply an image of the Blessed Trinity in the activity of creatures. What Colby describes here is true. It's the structure of the cosmos. Everything has come forth from God and is going back to God more or less perfectly. This movement is sometimes called the great exit and return. Although Colby uses the term separation instead of exit, he got the same idea. First, God creates the universe. That is something like a separation. Creatures, by following the natural law implanted in them by God, they reach their perfection and become like him and go back to him. Intelligent creatures, like us, human beings, love him in a conscious manner. Through this love, they unite themselves more and more closely with him and so find their way back to him. Among all creatures in the universe, Colby believes that the Immaculata, Mary, our Blessed Mother, deserves special mention. The creature most completely filled with this love, filled with God himself, was the Immaculata, who never contracted the slightest stain of sin, who never departed in the least from God's will. United to the Holy Spirit as his spouse, she is one with God in an uncomparably more perfect way than can be predicted of any other creature. Let's reflect for a moment on the vision of reality. First, everything going forth from God. Think of all creation. God speaks and it goes forth from him. Then plants and animals return to God by fulfilling their natures, by being what they were created to be. They do this without thinking or deliberating and with a sort of ease. It happens by a kind of instinctual autopilot. Human beings, on the other hand, are different. While there are times when we act by instinct, we also act in a different way from animals. We act by reason and will, and we are conscious as we do so. 
present to ourselves as we act. This is what it means to be made in the image of God. We can know God and love Him. And whereas the animals do God's will by instinct, we can do His will freely and consciously. The problem is, we abuse the freedom God gave us. We don't always choose His will, and so we don't return to Him as we should. We sin. And if we sin, or maybe we should say when we sin, gravely and don't fully repent, then we don't make it back to God. This is a great tragedy of human life. But thanks be to God, for He sent His only Son and the power of His Spirit to save us, to bring us back home to our Father in Heaven. And thank God that after the fall of the human race, He made a creature who was conceived without sin and who is freely and perfectly conformed to His will. For she is perfectly united with the Holy Spirit. She helps us poor sinners along the way. She helps us to overcome the tragedy of sin. She leads us to do God's will, return to God, and become saints. And we'll hear more about that tomorrow. When I read that paragraph, it made me think of how God does not want to coerce us. Like, what the whole concept of free will from the, the fall of Adam and Eve, that's something, as I was just teaching my children just the other day, about that he doesn't want us to just be with him because we are forced. No robots. No robots. He wants us to freely choose it, and that's why free will is such an important thing as humans. Only humans can act in freely, and it takes freedom in order to be able to truly love. So this is really some uh, great theological things. I mean, when we get into Thomas Aquinas, we're going in a little deep here, Mary Beth. <laughs> were you, how were you on, on reading through some of all of that? I'm sure there's a book of Thomas Aquinas in 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> I know Taylor Marshall has one. It's a Kindle edition. It's very well done. <laughs> well, Father Gately himself really unpacks all of this more about the Trinity in his book, The One Thing is Three. But I don't think we should be afraid of Thomas Aquinas, even though he is called the terrific doctor and he's one of the highest teachers of all Catholic theology. These are things that we can wrap our hands around, think about, and and ponder. And that's what we're called to do in this retreat, 33 Days to Morning Glory. The reading is very short, but we're asked to take these into our day and be pondering it throughout the day so that we can really go deeper than maybe we would have otherwise. Our prayer for today that we will continue to ponder throughout the day is, Come Holy Spirit, living in Mary. Renew the face of the earth so that all creation may return to God. And our weekly prayer that we're pondering during the week is the Subtuum Presidium, and we invite you all to go deeper with that prayer as we listen to it now. We fly to your patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us from all danger, O ever-glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, and just a reminder that we are reading from the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat. Now, it's a little bit of a loose reading. We will inject our own thoughts on occasion when we hit a passage that really strikes us hard. But for the most part, we are going verbatim out of the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration, written by Father Michael Gately. Coming up in the next two segments of the show... 
we are going to review the discussion questions, thoughts, meditations. It, it kind of varies a little bit from question to question. In the retreat companion that goes with 33 Days to Morning Glory, the companion was written by Carol R. Younger. That is coming up here on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Real Life Radio is a listener-supported radio station. That means we depend on donations from those of you who are listening. If you'd like to join our team, you can visit us at realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com and make your pledge. Visit the Care to Share tab on our website. It's really a unique concept. Typically on the Living Witnesses radio program, we hear stories, people's conversion stories, their, their walk of faith. So whether you're a convert, a revert, or a cradle Catholic that's been that steady Eddie, your story is important, and I would love to hear it. To be a guest on the show, email mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. That's mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. Maybe being front and center on the radio wasn't quite your cup of tea. You might know somebody who is. You can also send a referral. That address, once again, is mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. Stay tuned. Coming up next, we're going to go through the discussion questions. In the Retreat Companion, we've got a little extra time, though. We are going to listen to Marion Grace and her song. If you like this song, you can purchase it at lovegoodmusic.com. Immaculate Mary, thy praises we sing. Say that. 
Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. Our guests today, Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. Let's get right into our questions for day 11. Question number one. We have prayed for the unveiling of the meaning of the Immaculate Conception and gained some insights. John's book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is also called the Apocalypse or the Unveiling. Read Revelation 12. What might John be revealing in this chapter? So let's pull out our Bibles for a moment, and let's just dive into chapter 12 of Revelation, titled The Woman and the Dragon, and it reads, A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was huge red dragon and seven heads and ten horns, and its heads were seven diadems. Okay, Julie, stop. (laughs) No, no, there's more. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God in his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God, and there she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. All right, so let's, let's be clear. The book of Revelation is apocalyptic. It is uh, not to be read literally, but there are some great truths in here, I think, that we can read as we prayerfully consider it about this unveiling, this, this getting to know better who Mary is and doing, doing the will of God. And it's important to understand about John. We actually studied this in our Bible study community, and it is probably the number one book people fear the most studying. And, of course, you might have ideas of left-behind series, of which it's not. Our church has very sound teaching on what Revelation actually is. But I, I often use the image of an onion and peeling layers. Mm-hmm. John is... You cannot possibly, we couldn't possibly begin to unpeel the layers of this scripture. But let's look at a couple things that we can understand from the scripture passage. First of all, uh, there's a woman. She's clothed with the sun. The moon is under her feet. So she has a body. She has feet. And the moon is under her. She is a queen. Her head is crowned with 12 stars. And the fact that the word woman is used here is is a very specific word used because where do we first hear about the woman? In Genesis 3.15. Yeah, the woman, the promise after the fall of Adam and Eve, the woman is going to be the one, her heel will crush the head of Satan. And where do we hear about the woman again? In John 19, which we've referenced many times in this podcast, uh, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother, Jesus says to uh, St. John and Mary at the foot of the oh, cross. Oh, but there's yet another time. Another time? Go ahead. In Feast of Cana, he says, woman, what is this to do with me? Right. And in this role, it is Mary fulfilling this wom- this role of the woman, and she is a queen. And, and so when we go to Revelation, don't be scared about the huge red dragon with seven horns and, well, seven heads and ten horns on each one, but look at the meaning of what the author of this, St. John, is trying to get across to us. 
And maybe even after this consecration, it may spike some interest in actually seeking out a Bible study at your church, because we cannot do this without uh, the experts, and obviously language. We're not them. And we're not them. <laughs> There's so many great resources that are out there that have just done it so wonderfully, especially like trying to understand the Greek and, and Latin and Hebrew. The words mean different things, so it's, it's so exciting to be able to unpack the Word of God. It is. And as we're unveiling uh, the Immaculata, doing the will of God perfectly, we see that although Mary was conceived without sin, she lived in a world full of sin, as we all do. And so it was her connection with her spouse, the Holy Spirit, with her son, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, that really enabled her to choose to do the will of God perfectly and therefore be our example. Okay, so did we answer the question? (laughs) I think there's a lot more pondering on that one. Let's move on to question number two as we're pondering the will of God. The union of Mary, the created Immaculate Conception, and the Holy Spirit, the uncreated Immaculate Conception, results in Mary's doing God's will always and perfectly. Nice for her, but not for her alone. God wills for us to be perfect, and this is revealed in Matthew 5.48, where he says, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And he wants her to lead us to perfection in his will. How will Marian consecration change how we perceive and do the will of God? Well, first, let's look at the word perfect. How much does our culture, especially Mm -hmm. to women, especially to young women, about the need for a perfect look? Physical perfection. Physical perfection. Perfect in every way. And that word in Matthew 5.48 that our Heavenly Father is perfect, complete. Our our culture is really screaming at us to have some kind of perceived physical perfection. And it's really scary as a mother of teenage girls to, to be at the culture today. But I think that gives us even more reason to look to Our Lady because her perfection came not necessarily from her physical beauty, although we do believe that she would have been beautiful, and all the art created over 2,000 years always paints her as very beautiful, but her perfection comes forth in doing the will of God. And, you know, for a lot of years in my life, I never really thought about what is the will of God. Can you, I mean, as you were in college or in high school or young, young married person, did you really think, what's God's will for me? I sure didn't. It wasn't in my dictionary, it no. wasn't even in my language. No, but we're really kind of being introduced to that whole idea of what is the will of God, and we can rest assured that God does have a particular will for our life, and we were not created in vain. We were created to accomplish some particular thing for God and to become saints with Him and live with Him forever in heaven. But finding out the will of God... I think that's hard. I think it requires a lot of prayer, securing yourself in your vocation, because your vocation is always part of the will of God, whether you're married, single, or have a vocation to the priesthood or religious life. So what does Marian consecration do with that? How does that help us in the will of God? I, you know, I have, to, I have to ask how many of us have been working on a project or pursuing some event in our life and thought, surely this is God's will. We see that open door. We're running for that door. And then just as we're about to reach the door, bam, it slams in our face. (laughs) 
And I think with Marian consecration, it's going to become more clear. It's a little bit of that dying mm-hmm. to self again, because with, with consecrating ourselves to Mary, we are letting her, you know, we're handing everything to her. And She's molding us. She, yes. I think back to week one when we were studying St. Louis de Montfort, and he created that enormous monument, and it stood for one day, and then the mm-hmm. government tore it down, and he was able to bless God and say, this is the will of God. That's a really extreme example. He was doing something he really felt called to do, and it didn't go the way he thought it would. And I I like that example in my life, when my plans, what I think is the will of God, just go all kinds of different directions. And I think it also can be a lot of times when you know it's coming from God because it's painful. (laughs) It may not be. I mean, that sometimes speaks to me. I'm like, Lord, I really don't want to do that. And I know it's coming from Him because it's going to ultimately be better for me in, in the long run. One of the times in my own life when I knew without a doubt I was in the will of God was uh, when I was pregnant with our fourth, fifth, and sixth child. The first couple of kids, it's like, oh, everybody has a kid. Let's have a baby. You know, we've been married a couple of years. It's time. But as my husband and I grew in our faith and really began to understand the church's teaching on openness to life, when you get to the fourth child in the United States of America, you have crossed (laughs) the line. You know, you are in territory that is unchartered by the large majority of people. And yet, as hard as it was to be pregnant each and every time, again and again, and and all the comments and looks and stares, I never in my entire life knew so clearly that I was in the will of God by by saying yes to God to be open to life and, and being pregnant as he blessed our family with another child. How about all the struggles? In, in that area where, where couples often struggle to have children and what a horrible cross it is. It can be very painful, but sometimes the growth and grace that's received through these situations, trying to hear God's will, whether it be adoption or sometimes his timing. It may not be not now, not mm-hmm. when we think it is, okay, I'm 33 and it's time. It may be that he's got, wants to shape you and, and, until you're prepared. And God does not chide us for asking those tough questions. He, we can say to him, I don't understand your will right now, God, when, we're, when we're, things aren't going our way. The Psalms cry out loudly, you know, in those directions. Give us those ways to pray deeply. Lord, show me your will. What is going on here? I don't understand. And in asking those questions, I think he really will draw us to himself if we sincerely ask and take those to him in prayer. I remember when I got pregnant with my fourth, a friend of mine said, welcome to the four club. And there really is a special beauty of having a large family. You really do become, I'm all about the club. You become a part of a special witness for God with your large family. And it's it's a great club to be in. Awesome clubs. If you're not there yet, come on and join us. It's a lot of fun. Even if you do it by adoption, it still part puts you in the club. But, you know, Mary, when no matter how many children you have, I, I still feel that wherever I was, whether it was two children or three children or just one, God knows yes. exactly the place that you're at. And if you are called to more children, it's certainly that, you know, you definitely, that's your training ground for sainthood. But maybe it is only one or two children. After all, Mary That's only had right. one. <laughs> Absolutely. Not having a bunch isn't a bad thing, but don't be afraid of, of taking that leap of faith and just being open. 
to whatever God provides. Amen. It's about being open. Amen to that. It is time to wrap up this segment. We will be back with questions number three and four on day 11 during our 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat as we prepare to consecrate our lives to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, our guests today, Julie Musselman and Mary Beth Finster. We are reading the book, 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat in preparation for Marian consecration by Father Michael Gately, who's one of the Marians of the Immaculate Conception up at the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Father Gately's written this wonderful book for busy people like us, and we are gathered here today to read through just two pages a day in the book and learn more about four great saints who were devoted to Mary and how their devotion can help us in our life to become consecrated to Jesus through Mary. As we read each day, we will be preparing to consecrate ourselves to Jesus through Mary on the Marian Feast Day at the end of the 33 days. Julie, let's get back to our retreat companion now. Question number three today says, The incarnation of the Word and His Paschal Mystery are the greatest events of history and unique to the faith of Christians. The incarnation, passion, death, and resurrection of Christ reconcile the world with God. Reflect on how we give glory to God for this great gift of salvation. Ponder Mary's special role in our salvation. How will Marian consecration help us to give glory to God for this great gift? Let's start by talking about what some of these words mean, Mary. We've talked a lot about the Immaculate Conception over the last couple of days and how that particularly is about Mary being conceived without sin. But this question starts off by talking about the incarnation of the Word, and Word is a capital W, a proper noun. So the incarnation refers to Jesus Christ himself, God becoming man. And we often call Jesus the Word in Mm -hmm. Scripture. I think of the opening of John's Gospel. Yeah, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And it, it reveals to us the fact that God spoke and his Word had power and created. So the incarnation of the Word is Jesus Christ becoming man. The Paschal mystery, we need to understand what that is. That is the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And as the question stated, that is how we are reconciled to God as as sinners in our broken humanity. So then we can move on. How will Marian consecration help us give glory to God for this great gift of Jesus becoming man and our salvation in Christ? And Jesus shows us how to do it. He honored his mother. So by us honoring her and taking her into our home and uniting ourselves and binding ourselves to her so that we are closer to the Holy Spirit, so that Holy Spirit can work in us, that gives so much happiness to God. I know Father Gately's second book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, that whole title is something that, you know, to dive into. How can, how does Jesus still have feelings in heaven? I'm sure I'm opening up something else. (laughs) (laughs) Always a can of worms, right? I'd like to just really explore for one more minute the incarnation of the Word and the humility of God becoming man, entering into his own creation. And we know that our church teaches that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And so every single solitary speck 
of his hum- human life from the second that he was conceived in the Immaculate Womb of the Blessed Mother, while the nine months that she was pregnant with him, his baby days, his toddler years, his adolescence, all the way up until his uh, death on the cross and his resurrection, all of that had meaning. And it gives us great hope, I think, because we can see how he lived perfectly in this life and Mary without sin. They're both our models in all this as we go forward with Marian consecration. Question number four, St. Thomas Aquinas says all creation is in a circular motion from God and back to God. Have you experienced this movement in miniature in your prayer and spiritual life? What is usually the precursor of your feeling distant from God and then returning to Him? What do you ask of Mary to help you become closer to God for longer periods or more frequently? Can I jump in with the question, what is usually the precursor of your feeling distant from God and then returning to Him? Because I think of that as just the daily dialogue of prayer. When I'm distant from God, it's usually I don't spend time. And it's like any friend. I mean, even though we have social media and all that, but that face-to-face contact with your friend, and maybe you haven't seen them that often, but just that dialogue and conversation that you keep in touch with them. And when we don't, you do feel distant. I mean, even in your marriage, if you're not communicating, how you don't feel connected. I think of just our sin. Our, Our sin is what really makes us distant from God, because in sinning, we are turning our back to God. And just like Adam and Eve, what do we do once we sin? We don't run back to God usually and say, I'm a sinner, help me. We hide. And that really brings a great distance between us. And we can, many times we know when we're going the wrong way by that feeling of distance. Now, I notice a catechism uh, quotation in here, catechism 2742 through 2745. Julie, can you summarize it? Yeah, in that part of the catechism, it's the fourth pillar on Christian prayer, and paragraph number 2742 says, Pray constantly, always and for everything, giving thanks in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God the Father. It's talking about prayer and persevering in love, and it continues to say it's always possible to pray. You know, you have a great time in the morning, Mary Beth, when you pray. I have more times throughout the day, but it's always possible to pray no matter what we're doing. And paragraph 2744 says, Prayer is a vital necessity. Nothing is equal to prayer. For what is impossible, it makes possible. And what is difficult, easy. I love these words, and I love going to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. If if you're not familiar with it, you can look at it online at usccd.org. You can also buy uh, a book of the Catechism and have it. It's, It's a reference book. It's not something that you read front to back, but when you look up in the index a certain topic that you're studying, it gives you great insight and wisdom into opening it up and peeling back another layer of that onion. As we talk about prayer and working prayer times into our busy day, too, I like to emphasize, for me, it's always been my drive time. What a great time to, you've got nothing distracting you except for maybe some, you know, other drivers and traffic lights, but you can pop in a CD of of great spiritual music. You can pop in the Divine Mercy. You can pop in a, a rosary and just pray. Just think about the prayers and pray as you're driving. 
it's a great opportunity if you just find your day is swamped and you're thinking, when do I have a minute? And you can pop in a CD from Lighthouse Cafe. Absolutely. <laughs> Turn your car into a university. We'd like to emphasize, too, that by doing this retreat, 33 Days to Morning Glory, the intent of writing it by Father Gately was to enter into a retreat, which is a time of prayer and reflection. And so even by listening to the radio show and the podcast, we're entering into a prayer in one sense as well. And Mary, you've given us an opportunity by doing Mm -hmm. this podcast, because I've wanted to have this book on a podcast so that I could listen to it in the car. So I just can't thank you enough. I want every book on a podcast. What are you talking about? Just this one. (laughs) Yet to come, right? Yet to come. Um, Any last thoughts or words here as we wrap up our day 11 of our retreat? I think the last sentence of paragraph 2745 in the Catechism really gives us a good send-off here. He prays without ceasing, who unites prayers to works and good works to prayer. Only in this way can we consider as realizable the principle of praying without ceasing. I think of the Benedictine motto, Ora et Labora, pray and work, work and prayer. And I think that really just gives us a good way to take prayer into our day. And no matter what the day holds, know that we are, our intention is to unite ourselves with Christ. And especially when we make that morning offering in the morning where we say, I give you this day, Lord, Whatever happens, our prayers, our works, our joys, and our sufferings, we want to enter into that spirit of prayer and trust God to uh, help us get through and work it all out with Mary as a, at our side. And, you know, this is not an overnight process. I just think I'm 18 years into being a mother. Who would have thought, you know, you, every year you're just growing and growing and growing in how to be the best parent. And, and it's just such a great example. Mary Beth, that is an excellent example. And that's going to wrap up our question time for today. Coming up after the break, we are going to rehash these questions and we're going to listen to the prayers that St. Louis de Montfort prayed. Nice thing, though, is they're put to music. They're instrumental versions, contemporary Christian music versions of his prayers. That's coming up after the break, so you can give it a little more time and thought into what we've already discussed. It's also a good idea if you want to sit at home After reading all of this and go back through the questions and just journal in the book, they have great journal spaces in the Retreat Companion, you can get the book 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat and the Retreat Companion at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. I would also like to encourage everyone to join us on either the podcast page or on the blog page at 33 Days to Morning Glory. With your thoughts and comments, how do you answer these questions? We would love to hear your input as well. Do you have anything within this retreat that's that you're still struggling with, that you're still having a hard time grasping? You certainly can pose questions for us, and we will answer those questions for you. You are listening to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham, Julie Musselman, and Mary Beth Finster. You're listening to Immaculate Mary by Mary and Grace. To hear more, visit us at lovegoodmusic.com.
Now is the time in our consecration preparation that we look at the spirituality of St. Louis de Montfort and what were the prayers and readings that he looked at as he prepared his heart to be consecrated to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. St. Louis's reading meditation is once again from Thomas A. Kempis. It is Book 1, Chapter 5, and it's entitled, On the Fervent Amendment of Our Whole Life. If you would like to read this reading, it is on fisheaters.com. Our first prayer for today is once again, Vene Creator. So we listen to this prayer being sung. Let's ponder our first two discussion questions. Now let us review our discussion questions for today from the 33 Days to Morning Glory Retreat Companion written by Carol R. Younger. You can get your copies of these materials at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. Question number one on day 11, we read about how John's book of Revelation is actually called an unveiling. Read Revelation chapter 12. What might John be revealing in this chapter? And question number two, how will Marian consecration change how you perceive and do the will of God? Thank you. 
question number three on day 11. The incarnation, passion, death, and resurrection of Christ reconcile the world with God. Reflect on how we can give glory to God for this great gift of salvation. Ponder Mary's special role in our salvation. How will Marian consecration help us give glory to God for this great gift? And question number four, St. Thomas Aquinas says all creation is in a circular motion from God and back to God. Have you experienced this movement in miniature in your prayer and spiritual life? What is usually the precursor of your feeling distant from God and then returning back to Him? What do you ask of Mary to help you become closer to God for longer periods or more frequently? blessed ever sinless virgin gate of heavenly rest taking that sweet ave which from Gabriel came peace confirm within us changing Ava's
next prayer that St. Louis focuses on is the Magnificat, which comes directly from the Scriptures. Let us pray. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has looked with favor on His lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name. He has mercy on those who fear Him in every generation. He has shown the strength of His arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has come to the help of His servant Israel, for He remembered His promise of mercy, the promise He made to our fathers, to Abraham and His children forever. That is Luke 1, 46-55. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Just a reminder that Real Life Radio is a nonprofit organization. We are a listener-supported radio station. We would love to have you be a part of our team. Visit realliferadio.com. That's realliferadio.com. And click on the Care to Share button. Together we are reaching the next generation. We are consecrating our lives to Jesus through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, but typically on the Living Witnesses radio show, we hear stories, we hear people's conversion stories, their walk with the Lord. Whether you're a cradle Catholic, a convert, or what we call a revert, someone who was raised Catholic, maybe wandered either completely or just a just an emotional wandering from the church, and you had that epiphany that brought you back into full communion with the church, we would love to hear from you. Be one of our stories when we finish this consecration. You can email mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. That's mary at cultureoflifemedia.com. Everybody has a story and every story is worth telling. We would love to hear yours on Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Living Witnesses.